This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. In this video of Front Row Rugby, I have Springbok legend and 2007 World Cup winner Ruan Pinar with us. Ruan, welcome. Thank you. It's great to talk to you guys and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. All right, just before we get started, let's have a look at our trivia question for this week. Who did the Springboks play in a one-off test before the start of the 1996 Tri-Nations? If you know the answer to that question, you can put it in the comment section below. Also, we'll find out if Ruan knows the answer to that question, but we'll find out at the end of our conversation. Ruan, let's get started. I know that your dad was a Springbok player as well. Was there ever any pressure or expectation from him or from your family? No, not really. I think I just, for some reason, fell in love with the game as well. I really enjoyed it from a young age. Um, and I think it also helped because my dad played and sort of grew up next to a rugby field and then he went into coaching. So it's always been something that I've been interested in and um, something that I loved. But um, I think from my parents' side, there was never any pressure. Um, there was never told I must play rugby. My dad just always helped me if I wanted to go and kick or pass, whatever. He was always there to help, but he never pressurized me to, you know, to follow rugby. And I'm really grateful that, that they just supported me in whatever I decided to do. And what about your teachers and coaches and uh, your friends at school? Um, yeah, so I was I was um, lucky enough. I grew up sort of next to our primary school and Mornay Stein attended the same school as, as me. So uh, I know since we were three, four years old. So we, uh, yeah, we played a lot of rugby and a lot of sports together. So I think that helped a lot. Um, and then also, obviously, you've got teachers through your through your uh, primary uh, career um, that really guided you along. We had a, a, a one of our teachers, Mr. De Beer, was a big influence in, I guess, both me and Monet's uh, you know, lives uh, in playing rugby. And then as you go into high school also, I think there's a lot of people that uh, invested a lot of time and effort into into our rugby careers um, at a schoolboy level as well. So, um, so I think that really helped us to sort of take a step forward and and, and grow as players and also as, as people. Talk to me about your Springbok debut in 2006. Obviously a very special moment for you, but at the same time, it was quite a heavy defeat for the Springboks. Yeah, it was. It, uh, you know, I think uh, you don't really, uh, I think, guess, uh, although you want to win the test match, it's just such a big occasion to make your debut. It's a, a boy who dreamed that, uh, you know, that comes true. I, was, I remember I was really nervous. And then I also went on at fullback, um, and not even in my preferred position, a scrum off. And my first touch, Dan Carter put up a spiral bomb. And uh, I just saw out of the corner of my eye, uh, Ma Nonu running towards me. And he's probably double my size. And uh, managed to avoid him and get the pass away. So at least I survived that. But um, yeah, like you said, a heavy defeat. Um, but yeah, still really special to, you know, to to make your debut for the spring of something you've wanted to do your whole life. And then, yeah, thankfully the next week in Rustenburg, we got, got one uh, back over the All Blacks again, which was really special to be involved with that. And then you managed to establish yourself in the team quite quickly, actually. Uh, in 2007, in the Tri-Nations, you started each of the four matches. Did that give you confidence going to the World Cup that you might actually be one of the starters? Yeah, I think there was a big competition. Obviously, Farida Priya was there uh, Enrique January. I think Bola Conradi was still around, uh, Michael Klaas. And so there was a lot of, of really talented scrum-ups. I think that probably helped me you know, to start a few test matches in the Tri-Nations and also to prove to myself that I belong at at that, that level. So I think that definitely helped me. Um, but yeah, I'm just grateful. I mean, 2007 was a massive year for us and to be a part of that was really special. 
And I want to talk a little bit about that World Cup, especially the pool match against England. And I know that Fareed Dupree was was the starting scrum off in that match. But just from, from your point of view, that performance against England, the 36-0 in the pool stage, was that as close as possible that you've seen the Springboks come to perfection? I think so, Jan. I think no one expected it. But uh, yeah, the guys played really well. I think I, I only got about three or four minutes at the end there. But to sit on the side and just see the guys perform that well... Um, was really was really special and obviously you know gives you a lot of confidence going forward in an occasion like a World Cup. Um, so I think that really uh, you know put the benchmark in the way we wanted to play and how we wanted to play. And I think that obviously gave us uh, you know a big chance going forward in, in being one of the favourites. And thankfully we managed to do that. After that England match, Tonga were our next opponents, and the Springboks actually struggled in that match. What happened there? I think. Uh, Jake made a, a lot of changes, I think, um, and I think that was the one game where he felt he could do that. And and Jake is never a guy that that picks, who doesn't pick his best fifteen. So I think he, from his point of view, probably took a bit of a, a chance there. But I think it was still a good Springbok team. I think we were just probably um, not that good on the day. Uh, it was really close. A bounce of the ball at the end of the game could have easily gone Tonga's way and changed a little bit. Uh, you know, changed the. Uh, the perspective of the rest of the tournament a little bit. So I think it was a bit nerve-wracking for everyone. But um, but I think also because you beat um, England 36-0, um, you know, you can get, like we said, you had a lot of confidence going forward. But that was maybe a little bit of the eye-opening we needed, that this is a World Cup. If you lose a game, you're out of it. So I think that was a bit of an eye-opener. And then again, Fiji in the quarterfinals was just as close as well. So... Um, so, yeah, I think we just probably let it slip a little bit. And then second half, a lot of the uh, senior guys came on and, and made a big impact as well. So, um, yeah, but definitely was a, was too close to comfort. As you mentioned, beating Fiji in the quarterfinals, it was an interesting round at the Rugby World Cup in 2007 because Australia were eliminated. New Zealand were knocked out uh, at that stage as well. After that round, the quarterfinals, was there an air of inevitability in the Springbok camp that we were going to go on and win it from there? I think we knew it's going to be a tough, no matter who you play in a, in a playoff match, no matter who you play, it's going to be tough uh, and you've got to be at your best. And I, mean, I think we saw that against Fiji. Obviously, New Zealand going down was a massive shock um, you now against France. But uh, but yeah, I think we, we had confidence the whole time that we had the group that can go all the way. And I think things slowly as the, the competition progressed sort of tilted towards our way with New Zealand going out and and uh, the, the teams we were facing in the quarter semis and and uh, then later on in the final. So, um, but yeah, I think it was just meant to be for, for our group. And, and I must say, it was a special generation of Springbok players that uh, that year. Um, and then even going on beyond that, 2008, 2009, um, you know, some of the best players in the world was in that team. So I think it's a, a just reward for those guys that's uh, been at the top for so long. And then to, to top it off with a World Cup win, um, obviously can't get better than that. I want to talk a little bit about that final. Obviously, as we've discussed, beating England 36-0 in the pool stage and then sort of a rematch in the final. Given what had happened in the pool stage, South Africa had to start that match as the favourites. But I remember vividly Jake White almost every day in the press leading up to the final was saying, no, 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 England are the favourites. They're the defending champions, etc., etc. What was the build-up like in the Springbok camp ahead of that final? I think it was a strange one because, like you said, you just beat uh, England 36-0 and, and clearly in your mind, you know, you should be the favourites. You be, just beat them. But then I think Jake was really good with the way he handled the 
the press, and he still does today. He's, he's still very good at it. Um, and then you've also got to remember they had a guy called Johnny Wilkinson who's been there, who's done that. He's won a World Cup for them. Um, he's been a one of the best players in, in rugby union for a long time. So um, they still had a really good, good team. And uh, I mean, a, a final, anything can go your way. And um, yeah, I think we had we just had a, a strong group um, of players that, uh, that's that been involved in big games before. Percy Montgomery, again, was outstanding. I think Butch James had a really good World, good World Cup. Juan Smith at the flanker. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously a big talking point was the tackle of Donnie Rousseau and Mark Quaita in the corner there. So, um, yeah, I think it was just meant to be. I think, you know, like I said, it was a special group of players and um, it was a special night. And I must say that the whole World Cup, uh, I think we spent seven, eight weeks in in and around France was, um, yeah, I think it just always felt really good within the group. We had a lot of fun on and off the field. And, uh, yeah, to top it off with a win um, in a World Cup final, obviously, is uh, extremely special. How disappointing was it for you not to actually get on the field in the final? Didn't it really matter? I, I wouldn't say it didn't matter. Obviously, we would have liked to play a, a little bit of a part in, in, a, in a final. Um, but like I said, I think Jake White had his 15 guys. Um, that he really trusted and only if needs be would uh, make a change. Um, so I think we all sort of knew what his thinking was. Um, I remember Percy Montgomery, I think it got shoved over the, the um, uh, advertisement boards and he hurt his knee a little bit. I think he hurt his MCL. So I was the cover for fullback as well. So I was stressing. So I was sitting next to the field most of the time waiting for Percy to say, listen, I can't carry on. And I think, thankfully, uh, he did. He kicked well at goal, and then Francis slotted a nice long one. So, uh, I mean, it would have nice. It would have been nice to to at least play a bit of a part in that final. But, I mean, not many people can say they've been a part of a World Cup, and needless to say, to be part of a winning World Cup. So, I'll take that any day. So, you're a World Cup winner. In 2009, you beat the British and Irish Lions, and you also helped the team win the Tri-Nations in 2009. What made that team so special? I think every now and then you get a generation of players that, performs at a high level for for a couple of years. And I think I was um, fortunate enough to be a part of that. I think in that team, you probably had five, six, seven guys who was the best at their position at that stage. And it makes a massive difference. Um, I mean, again, 09 was really special. I think we beat New Zealand three or four times, uh, won the Tri-Nations, beat the British and Irish Lions. Um, so I think it's just a really talented, uh, special group of, group of players. And I think we saw that again now um, since 2019. I think this now again is a really special group of Springboks. So um, I think it's probably a timing thing as well. Um, I think I, I was just at the right time at the, or the right place at the right time being part of a group like this um, with a lot of really good rugby players. Funny you should mention that because I had Corne Kricha on the show a couple of episodes ago. I'll put a link uh, to that in uh, the description area here. Uh, and he commented that every boy dreams of becoming a springbok, but when you get there, you hope that it's a really good era. Uh, I want to talk about you uh, on a personal level, uh, Ruan. You pretty much played every position in the back line for the springboks. Um, a lot of it was off the bench. Sometimes you were starting. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that coaches, because of that versatility that you had, um, they didn't really know what to do with you. What's your opinion around that? When you're young, you just want to play anywhere. They put you at prop. You'll say, listen, I'm probably not going to make this, but I'll try my best. And I'll." you just want to play for the Springboks and be a part of it. 
Um, and then as you grow older, sort of you lose your identity a little bit in that rugby and you get seen more as an impact player and a bench player. I think we saw that with uh, Brett Russell as well. He's such a talented player, but I think same thing. He covers so many positions, so it's easy to pick him on the bench and he covers loads of positions. And it's probably the same yeah, was the same scenario with, with me. Um, I think, like I said, if you're younger, you just want to play. As you get older, you sort of got to... Uh, make a choice of where you want to play and sort of try and settle a little bit. But um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough one. Uh, I think it's a it's a nice one for coaches, but sometimes not that good for for you as a player because you don't always get that uh, starting spot that you that you would want. But um, I mean, I would do it all over again. I really had a good time and really privileged to have played for my country. So um, so yeah, it's it's been a good journey. So, Ruan, how disappointing was it for you to only play a minor role at the 2011 World Cup? I think, again, yeah, I wasn't. I was uh, playing a lot of golf in that World Cup. I think, uh, obviously, we had Fouri Dupree again. Um, and then Francho Hochart did a really good year with the Bulls. And I think he sort of took over my role. I had in the 2007 World Cup. We, he covered wing and a lot of position in the back line and then also scrum off. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, disappointing. But, I, I mean... It's uh, still special to be a part of a World Cup to go um, with the squad. And um, yeah, it's a, it was a disappointing end to that World Cup, but um, yeah, I was really close at the end. So you played under Jake White, you played under Peter de Villiers, Heineke Mayer. I'd like you to tell me a little bit about the differences that you experienced in their coaching methods. Um, it's a tough I think Jake, um, I mean, he knows exactly the way he wants to play. He knows exactly um, the plans he wants to implement uh, in all those games. And um, so I think he was sort of set in his plan and the players knew that and they bought into it. I think Peter de Valdez was a pro probably a little bit more lenient. He had uh, the players uh, you know, give a lot of input in how the, we played, uh, things we needed to do. Also with preparation during the week, he was probably a little bit more relaxed, but a good people person. Um, you know, he always had the players' best interest. That's uh, you know, uh, in in mind. Um, if if John Smith felt the players were tired and it's been a tough week, he would go to him and ask, "Listen, the players um, are struggling," and he would say, "Listen, let's take the day off or whatever." So he was really good at managing the players, and um, you know, he's a he's a really good person. I think Heineke again, probably a little bit more um, like Jake. Um, you know, he's got his set ways, his set uh, plans in how he wants to play. And, um, yeah, I think that's sort of more or less uh, what I can reveal at this stage. Yeah. We spoke about the disappointment earlier of the 2011 World Cup. But now, 2015, you were very much part of the setup for the World Cup in England. And I think you know what I'm going to ask you. What happened in that opening game against Japan? Oh, I don't know. You sort of still wake up at night getting a, you know, a bit of a nightmare of that day. Um, I'm not too sure. Our, our preparation was on point for that for that uh, World Cup. I thought we had a really good squad. Uh, a lot of youngsters came in the squad uh, during 2012, 2013, 14 with a lot, of, a lot of new faces. But still, we had a lot of experienced guys in that group. And... Um, yeah, it's tough, it's tough to say. I think our discipline wasn't great at the day. Uh, yeah, it's it's so hard to say. You get this question so many times. Yeah, it's, I think it was just a bad slip up. Maybe we underestimated them. Um, I knew we had a lot of. We had Skull Burger for Rita Priya who played in Japan, and they warned us before. And listen, they are not bad rugby players. Um, it's going to be a tough one. And 
yeah, for some reason, we just uh, yeah, weren't at our best at the day. And um, yeah, the rest is history. What did Heineke say to you guys after the match? No, I've never seen a coach feels like that. Obviously, um, to lose against Japan as a South African, not to disrespect it. You know, they they good rugby players, but I think uh, we expected from ourselves and everyone expected us to beat them. And um, yeah, Heineke was really upset. Um, it was probably the longest week uh, before that next game. I think that was against Samoa. Um, it was quiet. No one said anything. Um, it was really the longest week of our lives in a, in a rugby environment. Um, but yeah, I, th I think we can be proud of the way we bounce back and um, and manage to go through the tournament after that. Uh, a very uh, tight loss or, you know, against New Zealand. Um, yeah, and then yeah, got a bronze medal at least. But um, I think that's probably one we let slip. I think we, again, we were a good squad, good enough to go all the way. And unfortunately, we just fell short. As you say, it was a decent return in the end, finishing third at the World Cup, uh, certainly very respectable. So, Ruan, when you look back now at your career for the Springboks, I know you achieved so much, winning the World Cup, beating the British and Irish Lions, the Tri-Nations, as, as we mentioned. But is there anything that when you look back that you think, I would have liked to have done this, but you didn't quite get to do it? Listen, I'm very fortunate. And like I said, I've played with a, a great group of players. I think... Again, I've, I probably would have liked to be a little bit more myself. I think if you looked at the run player, Pino who played at the Sharks and the one who played for the Springboks, it's probably two different people. I think at the Sharks with Dick Mia and um, John Plumtree especially, we had a lot of freedom to express ourselves. We at the Springboks, the national level, you sort of get boxed in a little bit and uh, you've got your set game plan and you, you know, I think you just lose a little bit of your identity and yeah, you don't really get that opportunity to express yourself as a player as I probably would have uh, at the Sharks. So I think maybe just to back myself a little bit more when I, uh, you know, when I played for the Springboks, um, um, yeah, maybe would have been nice to have a little bit more freedom to play the way I would have played. But like I said, when I played for the Sharks, but all in all, um, to be involved with 88 test matches, um, to win a World Cup, to beat the British and Irish Lions, um, to be part of some of you know, really special victories. Um, I mean, Twickenham, uh, that win against uh, England at Twickenham was really special. Um, to beat New Zealand in New Zealand, uh, all those things are things I'm, I'm, you know, to be great to be a part of. And um, so, yeah, would I change a lot? Probably not. Um, um, yeah, I'm really grateful to have been a part of that. Ruan, I ask this question of all my guests. Could you share with us a funny or memorable moment from your time with the Springboks? There's so many. I think they're great characters um, that you normally play with. Um, I think Jacques Fourie, there's so many stories you can talk about him. He's a uh, you know, massive friend to John de Villiers. Um, but yeah, well, we had a, I probably can't share too much, but we had a, um, a camp before the 2011 World Cup. And we got dropped off in the middle of the uh, Kruger National Park uh, in groups, and you had to find your way with the uh, uh, with someone that works at the national park, and then sort of got back to base camp. And um, not too far away from from the camp where we were set up for the night, there was a, a carcass that, that that lions just killed a couple of hours before, and some of the players thought it would be good to drag the carcass sort of to, to in front of where. Uh, where um where we were we were staying we had a barbecue and everything there 
And um, yeah, a lot of hyenas came and some of the players started charging the hyenas and stuff. So that's probably off the rugby field. But yeah, we just had so many great personalities from different walks of life and uh, a lot of naughty guys. Um, also, some of the um, celebrations after that win against New Zealand to win the Tri-Nations in 20, 2009 was really funny uh, when no one hardly had any kit left because it just got ripped off you completely. Um, so the celebrations got out of hand a little bit there. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great, great stories to tell. Special memories indeed. Okay, Ron, uh, before I let you go, um, the trivia question. Here's a quick look at that again. Who did the Springboks play in a one-off test before the start of the 1996 Tri-Nations? Ruan, do you know the answer? Was it played in South Africa? It was played in South Africa. It was played at Loftus, actually. Was it... Uh, one of the Pacific Nations, maybe? Yes. Was it Samoa? Oof. No, it was Fiji. Fiji. Oh, close, close. I remember it was one of them. Uh, Ruan, I want to say thank you very, very much. Uh, it really was lovely to have you on Front Row Rugby, and I hope we can have you on again in the future. Thank you so much. It was great to chat to you, and yeah, all the best. Appreciate it. Last time on Front Row Rugby, we had 2007 Rugby World Cup winner JP Peterson here. You can go and have a look at that video. It's appearing on your screen right now. Next time, David von Hesslen will be here. This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. If you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. See you next time.